launched this company, highly specialized niche product, which I love back in 2011, bootstrapped it and then raised 1.5 million bucks. Now serving about 50 logos, we'll call it hundreds or thousands of seats across those logos, a bottom up approach to helping these folks, these frontline folks build apps that make their lives better. Once they tell their buddies, eventually the CIO or the CTO gets wind of it. And then before you know it, they're expanding location to location. They've got a team of nine people based between Houston and other remote locations, call it 200 or 300% net revenue retention annually. They have a really effective kind of expansion revenue strategy just based again from usage there paying about or sorry charging about nine bucks a seat across those logos this is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn each episode features revenue numbers customer counts and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was 160 million dollars, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is James McDonough. He's a passionate entrepreneur, technology CEO, and past top-tier management consultant. He's now bringing and blazing new trails here at Seaforge, which helps digital forms and procedures uh, occur in seconds with zero coding. We'll talk about that today. James, are you ready to take us to the top? Excited. All right. Tell us about Seaforge. The bio is a little confusing. What do you guys actually do and how do you make money? Yeah, so Seaforge is the company's name. Uh, the, the platform is called Fatfinger. Uh, our customers named it. And it came from uh, my work. You know, I worked my entire life in heavy industry. Uh, and basically, we enable frontline employees to build apps in seconds. And so those apps are typically based around forms, procedures, checklists, anything that Bob uh, is walking around in maybe an oil refinery or a field service worker is doing things like safety, quality, field tickets, anything on a clipboard, Bob is able to build an app for himself or his team or his company um, with no code, not low code uh, in basically seconds. So it kind of empowers these folks to kind of not have to wait for the corporate ID department to check off a bunch of boxes. They can just empower them and do it themselves. Exactly. So it's a, it starts from a, uh, you know, from a, a end user or, or, or bottom of the pyramid, and it starts working its way up when they start, uh, you know, adopting. And what will Bob, the frontline kind of oil refinery worker who's on the rig in the middle of the Gulf of, of Mexico, what will he do if he says, I'm sick of filling out these forms every day, oil gets all over him, you can't even read them, I want to make this an app. What does he do that night? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, they start searching around. And now Bob is kind of in our generation um, and kind of, you know, not using paper and, and wanting to, you know, be mobile enabled. Um, so they start searching around, find Fat Finger, sign up to our free trial, go through our 60 second tutorial. Um, and you know, at the end of it, he's created his first custom app. And, and then that really gets the kind of the wheels spinning, um, the juices flowing to, to, to say, wow. I could not only do my original intent, which might have been his safety inspection, but then, oh, why aren't we doing our X, Y, Z processes or procedures? And, and that you know, starts uh, um, you know, maybe sharing the app with other people or, or gaining momentum. But James, does, I mean, does Bob on that oil refinery, does he have a laptop he goes to back in his bunk that night to do it? I mean, is it or is it all on his phone, the building? Uh, the, the creation of the app, he, he does that from his desktop or, or you know, web browser. 
Uh, and then the actual use of the app is, is from any platform, including mobile. Okay. And, and let's say he builds the app. What enables him to then make that the standard app that all the other people use versus all of them going and creating their own apps to do the same thing, right? That's why there's process in the first place. Yeah, of course. So uh, basically, Bob would, would invite uh, his colleagues to the team. So it'd be like, you know, the Exxon team or whatever uh, company is using it. And then they would join uh, that basically that that account and then they would depending on the access and privileges that's being set up um is what that user will see mm-hmm. so we've got the ability to um let's say that the safety team will see the safety apps and templates and the maintenance team will see you know that those type of procedures but but, but i mean what i'm really curious about here though is is, the, is like the friction right so like do they then have to like take the time to understand and learn bob's form and and do they actually do that or do they just stick with the paper that has been working all along that after it's been created, no. So that the the new user, let's say Bob's colleague or or Sam. Uh, the person supervisor, whatever, Sam, George, whatever, uh, they get an invite saying, "Hey, welcome to Fat Finger. Download it for free." And as soon as they log in, they'll see what Bob has created, and that's it. So it's super easy. Okay, but I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the reason that these archaic systems exist in the first place is because it is part of a bigger system. So you're essentially enabling systems change from yes. the bottom up instead of from top down. And so my question is, how do you actually drive true system change and adaptation? You know, outside of just Bob's own usage, how does he then sell that up from there so that the whole thing gets more efficient? Yeah, so that's the magic. So, uh, and that, and that's really why I founded the company is is that that friction or that frustration is uh, the frontline employee knows their job, they're passionate about their job, and they're they're tired or really frustrated with basically people not listening to them or just waiting, you know, waiting for the the bureaucracy to kick in or corporate IT who is traditionally um, under under resourced and just can't keep up with the sheer demand of let's say digitalization of of uh, procedures. And so when Bob and his team start using it, liking it, and it spreads to other teams, because it's so easy to create more procedures and flexible, um, that they they really are selling it upwards. And so there, there's this disconnect or this, this, I guess, incorrect thinking that, um, that, that the, the, I guess, the, the field workers or the front line aren't, I guess, uh, aren't, uh, gets motivated to change and that's that's completely wrong it's just that that typically enterprise software is sold to the c level and and uh they're not i guess bringing the front line or the true subject matter experts from the business um into those decisions and so we went the opposite way instead of selling to the cio or the executive we sell um from the bottoms up and allow them to bubble up uh, the usage and the, the, I guess the initiation of change. Okay. So, so, okay. I understand the product. Walk me through pricing. Does Bob pay directly? He's the one using it. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of times, even with really large companies, you know, we have from Exxon to other, uh, you know, fortune 100 companies using the platform, uh, they, they, they start for free. So we, we take away that friction to at least start it, to basically start the ball rolling, maybe allow them to show their supervisor, et cetera. And a lot of the times, uh, they, that team might just use their personal credit card to maybe in the first five, 10 users. And then now they've got enough traction to, you know, put a business case together and flip it over. Okay. To a, this to reminds me, this reminds me a lot of kind of how, um, uh, 
Oh, the, na- the name is escaping. Expensify with David Burnett out, out in Boulder. He did the same thing where it's like he, he it's basically a receipt and a billing platform, right? So the individual janitor to do expense reporting might pay five bucks a month to do it. But once the janitor and then the secretary and everyone else, then you sell it up to a bigger plan. There's always though a lot of friction between, I know this sounds so simple, but it's always very difficult to say, okay, we're looking at our systems records. You're in your back end of Stripe and you see like, you know, 40 like at exxon.com accounts signed up and you're going, oh, this one, it makes sense to put touch on, try and sell the CIO directly. You call the CIO, they say, okay, we'll put on our credit card, but then you got to like figure out how to get all those users on that credit card and then shut off their personal cards. And then there's like expense issues. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So that, that, that flip over from, uh, I guess, you know, individual team to larger enterprise and um, that's where it starts slowing down in terms of the automation because, you know, Bob, the trial to first users and credit card that we don't, we don't see any of that. Um, we just kind of see the data behind it. Um, when they start flipping over, then that's where, you know, we start getting involved in more of an enterprise sale because then corporate IT starts vetting us, taking us through the security and compliance and all of the, you know, manual billing and that type of thing. So that's where it does start bogging down, but also the, I guess the contract value is getting higher. Bob. Yeah. So what what would Bob start at? I mean, is it a lower price point, a dollar, five, ten, something like that a month? Yeah, we start. So we have a kind of standard and pro plan ranging from nine to fifteen bucks a month uh, per user, unlimited apps. Okay. And and then uh, and and then maybe some enterprise plans that if they're wanting some more enterprise features on top of that. In a world full of social media, making time to actually read a book is more and more difficult. Now, a lot of you guys have many different strategies. I like to read on my Kindle when I'm traveling or things like that, but reading a whole book takes six, seven, eight hours. So a quick way that I make sure I read what I want to read is I use a tool called Blinkist. And Blinkist essentially is the only app that I've found that takes the best takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and then makes it very small down to 15 minutes kind of overview for me to read or listen to before I make a you know a business decision. Now, I like Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can fast track my path to a more intelligent me. And if I can stay ahead of business news, I can make better deals. Now, I'll use Blinkist typically if I'm working out or on a quick car ride and then ultimately purchase the book and read it in a quiet time, whether it's a six hour plane ride from New York City to London or something else. Now, here's the cool thing. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for just the Latka audience, you people me, you, the smart ones. To get take advantage of it, go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist to start your free seven-day trial. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T to start your free seven-day trial. nathanlacka.com forward slash Blinkist. I'll see you there. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the right question to ask to understand how much of your business is from the personal folks versus you've sold it to an IT department and then they sell it and they triple the volume inside of that one organization. So would you say like more than 50% of your user base is coming from a long tail and let's call that teams of five or less? Uh, well, so when you flip over, they'll buy big chunks of users, right? So they, the enterprise starts, I guess, becoming much more important than the, it's kind of like the top of the funnel. We almost treat the the teams almost as leads, um, and, yep. and, and nurturing them to the larger deals, yep. Um, yep. which then those, that, that, yeah, that, that revenue is, is more, 
uh, than than the smaller teams. Yep. Well, what do you what do you track more closely? What do you build your internal systems around? Number of logos using you or number of individual seats? Uh, so we obviously make money off of seats, but the logo is really important because the logo dictates how much opportunity there is with inside of that logo. Yep. So for example, like we have a, a team that might bubble up to go from five people in the safety department to only a 50 person company versus a hundred thousand person company. There's a lot more opportunity, you know, within that account. So let's ignore number of seats. How many logos would you say you have at least, you know, one person active on your platform? Oh, uh, cause we do free trials. It's in the thousands. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, how many pay just do logos? Yeah. Um, so it, I guess we're around uh, maybe 50 accounts. Yeah. Okay. So then it, it is, it is then still pretty targeted. I mean, the, the, those are, it sounds like you may have some that have thousands of seats and some that have two seats, but if you've got 50 and you have a real business you're building, you've got a lot of enterprise accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Give me more of the backstory here. When did you launch the company? So actually we're seven and a half years old. Uh, we launched in Perth. I'm a Canadian. It's a long story. Uh, and then moved to the Silicon Valley about six years ago. And then we ended up raising around uh, in Houston, Texas to focus in uh, oil and gas at the time. Okay. So how much raised to date total? Uh, well, 1. 1, 1.5. 1.5. Okay, good. And now where are you guys all based? Is everyone in Houston? Uh, so my core team is in, in Houston, myself as well. And then we have some, we have a, a dispersed team all over. Okay. So Houston and kind of remote and what's the total team size? Uh, nine. Oh, nine people. Okay, good. So you've kept it kind of lean and mean. Now, are you, are you cash flow positive now today or no, you're still burning? So we go in and out, uh, de- depending. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been interesting. We have some competitors that have raised, you know, a hundred million dollars. Name and, one. Uh, like, uh, I auditors almost there and, um, yeah. And there's yeah a number of ones that have raised big venture dollars, which we don't really understand because we think we have an on-par product and we've, we've kept it lean and mean uh, kind of on purpose. Yep. No, that's good. Okay, good. So that's helpful. 2011, nine people, Houston remote, 1.5 raised. Um, you were in oil. Were, sorry, did you see you were in oil and gas before this? That's how you knew the market existed? Yeah. So uh, I've got kind of a weird background. I, since I was 16, I worked in uh, forced and pulp and paper, like in the equivalent of kind of a refinery, but in pulp, pulp mill, sawmills. Did that through all, uh, high school, university, then did my MBA in Australia and China, went into management consulting, um, and spent a lot of time, I guess, on oil rigs, mining sites, kind of heavy industry sites all over Asia Pacific. And uh, again, saw the frustration of end users at the time, kind of mobile, the iPad had just been released, which is hard to believe now. Yeah. And kind of the whole mobile first, if that was the buzzword at the time. And we saw an opportunity to say, hey, this mobile thing is going to be big. Let's you know make it super easy for the front line and, and just build a, 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 a just elegant product that, that front. You cut out there for a second, but I think you just said you want to build an elegant product that makes it easy for frontline to use. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And then you look a good measurement of that is again, how many active seats you've got on the platform. So are you in the thousands at this point or, you know, dozens or where are you? Uh, yeah. So that's, I guess, private on, uh, okay. Exact numbers, but Okay. When, when do you think you like, um, let me maybe ask it differently. What's your next kind of big uncomfortable stretch goal for number of seats? Like is 10,000 the milestone or a million seats? What's your next big thing? Uh, I guess so. We've got some logos that have, uh, you know, 
th- th- those companies have have are in the hundreds of thousand employees or hundred thousand in tens of thousands of employees, and so trying to get mass adoption. Uh, basically, they call them strategic tools. Yep. And then you're in, you know, you're, you're basically a, a strategic partner of those companies. And you might have what, a couple hundred of them only today, like less than 1% of the workforce. Yeah. Uh, I guess I, maybe in, in, they're usually location dependent or, or country specific. So it's, you know, uh, going to more basically facilities or locations. Or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let, let me, let me ask you a different question. What the average team size using you? What, what would you say? Are we talking hundreds, thousands or a couple be five, 10? Uh, well, it starts in the, in the kind of the 10, cause it starts in a kind of department or team just yep. naturally. And then, uh, that kind of site has in the, you know, in the tens or 50 or et cetera. And then, uh, maybe that site has a, a hundred or whatever. And then, um, that's where we're trying to take it across sites. Okay. Good. That, have that champion take us. To, and, and I know, yeah. I know you don't want to share your kind of your current revenue numbers, but can you give me kind of what you're aiming to get to at some point? Like when do you think you'll maybe pass 10 million or 5 million, whatever your next big milestone is? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, I guess. Yeah. There's private on that. Okay. Well, I mean, look, you said you kind of go in and out of kind of cash break even you have nine employees, right? So if you assume a you know, pretty small salary of call it 60 ish, especially for developers, that's 540 a year right there. So, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll say maybe somewhere around there at this point, since you don't want to share more, um, what would allow you to, to scale growth faster? In other words, do you have people on this nine person team that are inside sales doing the land and expand strategy or what? No. So that's, uh, again, we've raised, you kept it ultra lean. We only do digital marketing. And so, uh, really the only time we get in flipping the enterprise side uh we don't have any i guess it's not like the sdr well why not though james you said that that's your biggest strategy is to take a 10 person team and make it a hundred thousand person team that seems like me that's like exactly what an insides rep does or a county account executive does yeah so it's it's been interesting we'd end i guess the history of the company we've been around a while uh, we used to do that and what we find uh is having the frontline person take it at, at the speed which uh basically decisions are made um we can't break that as an i guess a little company or or an inside sales person so usually we we invest in success and make it super easy for them to start adopting and then when they're ready or they have that adoption we're there to basically support them in in any way to to guess i guess go larger um, but we don't we don't do any i guess outbound say, Hey, you should use this product and, uh, you know, take them through the demo cycle. It sounds it's like all... you just said maybe had a shitty account executive in the past. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is what they're hired to do is to accelerate this process. Uh, yes, there's, but that's usually sold at the, at, to the, the, uh, the CTO C-level. or yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that. Right. We, we sell to the, we sell at a low ticket frictionless. Yeah. But product. how do you, how do you go from the, I'm making this up the Houston office to the, mm-hmm to the Perth, Australia office that those employees on the refinery floor are never talking to each other. They're not like on a walkie talkie each night. You've got to go up the org somehow and then come back down on the other side. Yeah. Usually success. Um, it, it starts boiling up because, uh, maybe it in, in that region finds out about it and then they, they're either expressing wins from business level and, and then we, so boom, account executive. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's like, that's exactly where you'd put it. I'm just curious, yeah, like why it didn't work out. If we, if we raise more money or, or yeah, that's uh 
Yeah. Definitely, definitely an opportunity. All right. So what most of the nine right now are developers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If we were, yeah, basically product focus company. Okay, good. What about churn? What's your churn today? Uh, so we churn, it's very low in terms of paid, uh, and, and the enterprise side, like anyone who's adopting isn't, isn't churning. They just, it's basically, you know, they, they they get addicted to the product. We churn out maybe the small, really small businesses that are, uh, either going out of business or they're looking for free and they're experimenting first. Yeah, yeah. Well, ignore, ignore logo churn since you have such a huge bandwidth of kinds of customers, but revenue churn. I mean, are you above hundred percent net revenue retention annually, meaning your expansion outpaces your lost? Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. You said it with a lot of confidence. How far above like 110, 120? Uh, well, <laughs> because the, it, when they flip up to enterprise, it just, it, it just kind of dwarfs the, the ones that we lose. Yeah. I mean, so how big, I mean, is it like 200, 300? Uh, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, that's healthy. Well, I don't know why you'd be shy about that. That's great. Okay. Very good. Um, and then what about CAC? So what are you paying to acquire the, these new guys, it, you know, at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the a pyramid? Uh, so most of it happens through, uh, word of mouth and, uh, but if, you know, doing our different testing from online marketing, we can acquire a trial for about just over 20 bucks. Okay. And then okay. you can acquire, uh, you know, an enterprise logo for, um, around a thousand around a thousand. Okay. Good. And then how quickly do you like, obviously you have to manage your cash tight cause you're, you know, you're, you haven't raised yeah. a ton on your break even how long are you willing to wait to make that money back in terms of what they're paying you, your payback period? Uh, so the, the, the larger enterprises, they take a long time, right? Like you're, you're, you're going through the enterprise sales cycle. Um, but really, I, I guess we are making that, we're making the marketing, uh, in, I guess the, the cap back on the smaller companies and then the larger ones are flipping, um, you know, kind of put us in a different category. Okay. I'd understand. So if you spend a thousand bucks to acquire a customer, you should know like, okay, we get that money back in a month or on average, we get it back in 18 months. You're not, it sounds like maybe you're not quite sure what that is. It's, uh, we get it. We it's, it's, I guess long, uh, because the, the majority of our revenue comes from the longer sales cycles. Got got it. But, but if it's a longer sales cycle, usually that also means they're paying more per month. You see what I'm saying? So like it should actually, yeah. But so it, we we might acquire a logo for let's say a thousand a thousand bucks, but then we'll land, uh, you know, ten times, hundred times that, uh, um, sixteen months later. Oh, I see. Because it's expanding. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, good. All right. Very. So you just kind of have to take educated kind of bets there in terms of what the potential account value could be. Well, yeah, that's why I mentioned it at kind of the beginning is there depending on the logo and the account opportunity, just based on the size of that company is very important and where yeah. we, yeah. I guess where we stick our effort. All right, James, very good. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Ooh, of all time. Yeah. Uh, probably, uh, Stephen Covey's the, yeah, how to win friends and influence people with that's yeah, that's good. Number two, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah, I love Peter Diamantis. Uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for building a business? Other than fatfinger.io, yeah. uh, probably Asana. We run our run my life on it. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Around eight. 
Okay, and what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Uh, married with our first daughter on the way. Oh, it's, that's very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. All right, and how old are you, James? I'm 33. 33. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, probably just to, do, to relax, but do, do the same thing you've been doing, but enjoy it more. Guys, relax, stay focused, enjoy it. More coming from James again. Launched this company, highly specialized niche product, which I love, back in 2011. Bootstrapped it and then raised 1.5 million bucks. Now serving about 50 logos. We'll call it hundreds or thousands of seats across those logos. A bottom-up approach to helping these folks, these frontline folks, build apps that make their lives better. Once they tell their buddies, eventually the CIO or the CTO gets wind of it. And then before you know it, they're expanding location to location. They've got a team of nine people based between Houston and other remote locations. Call it 200 or 300 percent net revenue retention annually. They have a really effective kind of expansion revenue strategy just based again from usage there paying about or sorry, charging about nine bucks a seat across those logos. James, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Awesome. Thanks for the time.